family, you're finding with me the book of Mark, chapter 16. We'll begin to read in verse number 1 this morning. As we begin this uh, new year, uh, this first Sunday of the year, I will speak to you on this subject, starting over, starting over. Mark, chapter 16, we'll begin to read in verse number 1. And I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can, and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. When Mark 16, begin to read in verse 1, the Bible says these words. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, for you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Spirit would speak to us and challenge us today. God, I pray if there's one who's never had a new beginning spiritually. They've never started over spiritually by repenting and trusting you to be Lord of their life. God, this would be that day. Father, I pray for the, the follower of you, the disciple that's here today. Uh, Lord, they made promises last year that they've not lived up to, commitments that they've drifted from. Father, I pray that they'll be encouraged from your text today as we see, again, your work in Peter's life, that we too can have that same new beginning and start over spiritually. And I pray for those who stand in need, that this day will be just that. This, this opportunity that you've given us during an invitation will be received to start over fresh as we begin this new year, following you, serving you, being faithful to what you've called us to do as Great Commission Christians. Bless this time. Speak to us. Encourage us. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. And amen. Well, We've already sung this morning uh, much about uh, what we've uh, read about here in Mark chapter 16. Remember that the week before, uh, Jesus had made his triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem. But remember that the Jews were not really looking. The Bible says in the book of John that he came into his own and his own received him not. They wanted a political Messiah. They didn't want the Jesus that God had sent. Uh, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so Christ didn't come to reign at this time on earth. Now, praise God, there's coming a day after the Great Tribulation. Uh, and we've been talking about this a lot recently in my family. When Jesus is going to come back and he's going to reign for a literal 1,000 years upon this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. He'll rule with a rod of iron. There'll be no Senate. There'll be no Congress. There'll be no politicians. Christ alone will rule. And no one will be able to thwart that. People will still have a free will to choose, but no one's going to thwart Jesus Christ. He's going to rule on this earth, and everything's going to be perfect, and everything's going to be wonderful. But when he came on that Palm Sunday, he didn't come that way. He came to be a ruler of men's hearts, to sit on the throne of their heart. And so as they hailed him that day and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's amazing that as they said, hail him, just a week later, they were saying, nail him. Uh, because he would not be the king that they wanted. And friend, listen, 
You can't make Jesus into who you want him to be. You simply receive him as he is. And so that week he taught and ministered, but it came near to the time that he should be crucified. And he was handed over uh, to the Sanhedrin. Pilate tried him, no fault could be found in him, but he yielded to the will of the people. And Jesus was scourged. He walked up Golgotha. He was hung up a cross at Calvary. He yielded up his life as he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then he died. He was taken off of the cross. A man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea uh, craved the body of Jesus. He went and sought the body of Jesus from Pilate. And hastily, Joseph covered his body in fine linen, laid him in a tomb, and everyone thought that it was absolutely over. And as we come to our text now, in uh, chapter 16, verse 1, we see some women have come to finish this hasty preparation uh, to more prepare the body of Jesus. And it's interesting. Again, they didn't go to find an empty tomb. They came to find a body. They, they, didn't, they didn't remember his words that he would be in the grave and that he would rise again. It didn't register with them. All they saw was that it was over and they were coming to finish what Joseph had hastily Begun, And as they get there, they find an angel who begins to speak to them and says, listen, he's not, he's not here. Uh, you're looking for someone who's already risen from the grave. He's not here. You seek Jesus, verse 6 of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And so he gives them a message. He says, we want, I want you to go back. I've been sent here by God to tell you ladies to go back and find the disciples and to let them know that Jesus is alive. Go tell the disciples. But there's two words here that really stand out on the page. And if you're not careful, you can really read over these two words much like you do the beginning of most of Paul's epistles. You, just, you read that salutation and you read past often those three great words, grace, mercy, and peace. You just, you just read right over them. And you get to the crux of the text. And you can really read over in verse number 7, two words. But go tell his disciples. But what are the next words? And Peter. Peter especially needed to hear what had happened. You see, Peter had had a, a hard finish. Peter had boldly stood when Jesus was about to be tried. In Mark chapter 14, verse 29, he said, Listen, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. He says, Everybody else may turn their back on you, but Jesus... I'm going to stand with you. See, Peter suffered with a problem that all of us suffer with sometimes. He had a really bad condition. It was foot and mouth disease. He was constantly sticking his big fat foot in his mouth. He was talking from the flesh. You know, God, everybody else may turn their back, Jesus, but I'll not do it. Lord, I'll, I'll stand for you. And after Jesus was, was taken away, he was led away, it's very interesting that the Bible says in Mark chapter 14, verse 54, that as Jesus was being led away to be examined and tried, Peter followed him at a distance. He wanted to make sure he could see what was happening, but he didn't want to get too close. He didn't want anybody to really think that he was in the crowd. And the Bible says that uh, he, he warmed himself by fire. He was more, here was Jesus standing about to be humiliated, but Peter's concerned about his own strength. It's rather than warming himself in the glow and the righteousness and the holiness of his relationship with the one he said he wouldn't turn from, now he's turned to a, to a barrel fire. And he's trying to warn himself. And then it happened that one of the little servant girls, verse number 66, looked and said, Hey, I know you. 
you're, 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 you're one of Jesus' followers. And he began to deny him. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm no such. I'm not him. And they even threw a little cursing in with it just to try to sound like the rest of the lost crowd. And then he heard what Jesus had told him. When the rooster crowed, he knew that he would, had denied. And he broke, and the Bible says in verse number 72 of Mark chapter 14, and when he thought about what had happened, what Jesus had said, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he thought about it, the Bible says, that he wept. He was broken. He was heartbroken. Peter had failed. He'd made great promises, great commitments. Remember, this is Peter who'd forsaken all. He, brought, he, he, with those that worked with him, they brought their boat to shore and forsaking all, they followed Christ. He had followed, he had served during these, these years of earthly ministry and now he had turned his back on Jesus and he needed to hear. And so some might not see nothing significant about these two words, but they're not. Peter needed to hear that Jesus was alive. He needed to hear that, the, that death was not the final word. But because he lives, you can start over in Jesus Christ. And you might be here this morning and say, you know what? I know somebody that's here this morning needs to hear that. You know, I, I know exactly where they're sitting. Well, friend, you need to be reminded it's not them that needs to hear it. It's all of us and it's you that needs to hear it. We all need to be reminded of that truth. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have turned to our own way. Isaiah continues uh, to say uh, that uh, we, we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of his all because of that. It's, it's because of all of us that Christ was nailed to the cross. And all of us need to be reminded, friend, listen, today you may be closer than you've ever been to the Lord and praise the Lord for that and keep walking in that newness and that spiritual growth. But it just might be, friend, that tomorrow, you're going to need these words. And I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. Just because you're walking close to the Lord today doesn't mean you can't fall and drift away and backslide tomorrow. You're going to need these, the, the words uh, that, that are shared. And Peter, starting over, friends, a new year. What a, what a great text this morning to be reminded that in Jesus Christ, and because of an empty tomb, we can all start over spiritually. Four truths I want you to notice about this this morning when it comes to starting over spiritually. Number one, it's possible. It's possible to start over. Some things are final. There's some things that you can't come back from. Uh, listen, if you're riding a canoe over uh, Niagara Falls, there's some things you can't come back from. You, you reach a point of no return. But in Jesus Christ, friend, you can start over. You can have a new beginning. How is that possible? It's because of the resurrection. It's not because Jesus died that we can start over. That's how our sins are paid for. But it's because he lives. That is the authentication, friend, that God accepted what Christ did upon the cross. Listen, if Jesus had not risen from the tomb, there would be no gospel. There'd be no good news. Millions of people had died before Christ, but only Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so Peter had left the trial of Christ feeling an absolute failure. But you know, the Bible contains other stories of men who were failures, and God gave them the opportunity to start over. As I read through the Bible each year, I'm so encouraged when I reread these truths. Remember, it was Moses who, who had murdered another Egyptian. There he is, he's fled from Pharaoh. God had had a plan for his life all the time. Wandered 
in the hills of Midian for, for 40 years. And then the word of God came to him in Exodus chapter 3. God had a mission for him to go and be his mouthpiece, to be the one that God would work through to call his people out of bondage. God gave Moses the opportunity to start over. David was a man after God's own heart. If you've been here for our Wednesday night Bible studies, we, we studied David in depth. We saw how even though David failed, he had a heart that still wanted to serve the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, Nathan the prophet pronounced judgment and said, you're, you're the man that's guilty. You've done this. You had Uriah the Hittite murdered. You seduced Bathsheba. You're the man who's supposed to be a man after God's own heart, and you did these things. But in Psalm chapter 51, we see a reflection of David's broken and contrite heart. He's starting over spiritually. He's received that opportunity to begin a new beginning of commitment and surrender to God's lordship over his life. Remember when we did our study through the minor prophets? God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. But Jonah didn't go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. That was the opposite direction of Nineveh. God said, I want you to go pronounce uh, the opportunity upon these people that they can experience revival in me. Why did he not want to go to Nineveh? Well, because this was the Assyrian capital. These were those who had wreaked havoc upon the northern kingdom. They were, they were the expressed enemy of the Jews. And God wanted to have mercy upon them. Jonah wasn't going to have that. He hated these people, and so he turned away from God's mission, and he fled to Tarshish. But friend, I want to remind you, you may be able to flee from someone's presence geographically, but you'll never flee from God. You can't get away from him. He's in all places at all times. You cannot run from the Lord. You may find something that you think for a little while can help soothe your conscience, but you'll not silence the voice of God. In your life. And there Jonah found himself and he said, I'm, I'm the man, this, I'm the reason on this ship that, that water's coming over, we're all about to die. And so they tossed him in. He was in the belly of the fish for those three days and three nights. And there he had revival in the middle of that fish's stomach. And the fish spit him out upon the ground as he began this new beginning. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He had the opportunity to have a fresh start over, a new beginning in the Lord. And Peter spent the last three days since Jesus died with no hope. He walked away from that opportunity when he, when he heard the rooster crow, when he saw Jesus die. He, from a distance, saw Joseph take the, the limp, dead body of Jesus and place him in a tomb and to see that stone roll over, the finality of it. And realize, this is how, this is how it ended. Because as he died, I, I couldn't look on him and so, say, you know, I stood for you. All he could do is look at Jesus being crucified, knowing that he had failed him. He's thought about this. The, the burden and the hardship, the condemnation. See, Satan works in what I call a double whammy. He'll tempt you to sin, just like he did even Genesis chapter 3. And say, so, you, know, you know, did God really say you shall not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Listen, God's holding out on you. That's the essence of where Satan's temptations are. Listen to me this morning. God's holding out on you. If, when God says thou shalt not, he's, just, he's holding back. You're missing out on something good. And when God says you're supposed to do this, no, God's just, God's just keeping you away from spending more time than things that, that would really make you happy, and that's you. He lies to us. And so he tempts us to do things that we shouldn't do, 
or to not do things that God has said we're supposed to do. And then when we yield to that temptation, then we sin, and then Satan smiles and he comes around and he hits us with condemnation. I can't believe you did that. I thought you were a follower of Jesus. You're you're an on-mission Christian. You're a follower of Christ. And so that's the double whammy. He, He tempts us. We yield to it if we do, and then he hits us with condemnation. And that's what Peter's been experiencing for these three days. No sleep, restless, no hope whatsoever. Why? Because Jesus is dead. When Jesus was alive, he could fix things. Someone couldn't see, well, he'd just spit on the ground and make them new eyes. Cripple, touch their legs, they could walk. Dead, no problem. He'd just say, be alive, they'd be alive. Possessed by a demon, he had power over all that. But now he's dead. There's no hope because Jesus is dead. How did this happen? But now they want him to know he's not dead, he's alive. Peter, you need to know that there's the opportunity, the possibility to experience a new beginning to start over because he lives. Number two, I want you to notice this morning that starting over spiritually, not only is it possible, but it's personal. It's, it's personal in nature. You know, you may have just never fully realized how much Christ loves you. You know, when I was little, I just didn't understand how much my mom and dad loved me. They told me they loved me, and I, and I appreciated the kiss on the cheek and the kiss on the mouth and the warm embrace from my parents. I, and I, Even though I didn't always show it, I appreciated the things that they did. But until I became a parent, I really didn't understand just how much my mom and dad loved me. I just, I just didn't fully understand it. And you may have never fully understood just how much Jesus Christ loves you and how much God loves you. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, that gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's something that will help you as you live on mission, you seek to reach people for Christ. You've heard me do it here before as we've shared the gospel at events that we've had. But you need to personalize John three sixteen when you say it. Say it to yourself when you do it. You know, For God so loved me. He loved the world and he loved you. But I want to tell you something that thrills my heart. God loved me. When I was unlovable, still yet a sinner, he still sent Christ to die in my place. God so loved me. And that's a message that a lost and dying world needs to hear. That God loves them. And he demonstrated it in sending Christ to die in their place. For God so loved the world. The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse number 3 that God calls his sheep by name. You know, when I was a boy, uh, I don't know, it's just something, I could, there's, I'm sure different ones of you have cattle, you've got your own little call. But my papa could go out into the pasture and go, ha, 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 and I mean, here come the cattle just trotting across the field. I could walk out there and I could say, you know, come on, cows, let's go. Adam, here we go, let's go. And they'd just stand there and look at me. But when my papa walked out there and said, ha, 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 so I mean, here they'd come, just run, because they knew he was going to feed them and take care of them. The cows knew the voice of the one that took care of them. Friend, I want you to listen. Jesus knows your name. And when he speaks, he just doesn't call to everybody. All right, disciples, he knows who you are individually. He doesn't just lump you into a crowd. He sees you individually. The other day we were flipping through some channels. Emma was sitting in the den with me, and all of a sudden we came by a Billy Graham crusade from years past. It was probably the late 70s. You could tell by the hair and the style of clothing. 
But it was, it was about invitation time. And he was extending an invitation, and they began to play just as I am. And hundreds of people began to stand up and to walk out of that stadium and to come forward. And I began to share with my daughters, like, honey, you just don't see that anymore. You don't, you don't see that move of God in people's lives. And it's not because of God, friend. It's because of man. People won't receive that. But what blessed my heart is this. As we just looked and we just saw this sea of faces, I didn't know who any of them were, but God knew every single name. When he hung on the cross, he knew every single person he was going to die for. Listen, and that means you. No matter how dis, you know, discouraged you may get tonight. Some of you went through some hard times last year. You lost your mate. You, you, you lost a loved one, a brother or sister. You face some challenges and some adversity. And Satan can use those challenges and those adversities to come alongside you and say, well, if God was really the God of love, why would he let all these things happen to you? Friend, God demonstrated his love for you while you were still yet a sinner. Christ died for you. God still loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. And he still has a plan for your life. And when it comes for the opportunity to start over, it's not just for everybody else. It's for me and it's for you. Peter needed to realize personally that Jesus was giving him a second chance. He needed that opportunity and to hear that it was, it was possible to start over. It was a personal message. He had failed, but I love this. Friend. He had not fallen away from God's love. Listen, we disappoint God when we sin. We disappoint God when we turn away from our commitment, but we can never fall away from His love. Praise His holy name. He continues to love us in spite of us. We are the objects of His love. It's, it's a personal message. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's, that means God has a personal tailored plan for your life. As we move into this new year, He, he has a will for your life. You know, all these people have all these, well, I've got this resolution, and I've got this resolution, and I've got this resolution. I, listen, let me challenge you with this this morning. Stop, make resolu stop making resolutions and just simply say, Lord, wherever you want to lead my life this year, give me peace, and I'll follow you into 2022. Whatever it is that you have. Stop making plans. Say, well, now, I'm, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to take vacation here, we're going to do that. How about just giving your calendar to Jesus and say, God, you fill it out. I'll follow you this year, wherever you want me to go, because you, your plans are better than my plans. God has a personal plan for my life. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 2, the psalmist says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit of mud and mire and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. When the psalmist wrote that, he didn't say, well, you know, God lifted Joe's feet out of the slimy pit and established Joe's feet on the rock and established his goings. He says, no, he lifted me. He personally touched my life. He personally gave me a second chance. He personally gave me the opportunity to start over. He personally established my going, set my feet upon his rock of his life, his holiness, and his words, and directed me in the direction that I should go. It's personal. And so we're so often saying, you know, well, if this person will get their life right, if this person would get their life right, and if, if these, these workers in the government would, you know, get these things straight. Friend, listen, judgment begins at the house of God first. Really, what we need to say is, God, what about me? What about my life? Where, where do I need to change, God? Where do I need to start over 
today. So the opportunity of starting over, it's personal. Jesus' resurrection is for the entire world, but praise God, friend, it's for you. It's for you. It's for your neighbor. It's for your co-worker. It's for everyone who's never been saved, and it's for those who have been saved and who have fallen. Whosoever will may be saved. Whosoever will, friend, can have a fresh start in Jesus Christ, not only after they're saved, not once before they're saved, but after they're saved. They can have a new beginning of starting over. You know, sin does a lot of destruction in people's lives. I've seen it in ministry. I've watched it happen. I've watched people that are, that are saved just have their lives absolutely destroyed by unrepented sin. Things they, they, they won't turn away from. It does a lot of destruction, but it can never remove us from His love. I read a story several years ago about a mother and her daughter who lived in South America. She was a single mom. And she was facing some hardships and adversity because she had to work a lot. She couldn't, you know, she was a single mom. She just didn't, she didn't have a lot of time to be at home. She did the best she could. Tried to have her daughter involved in church. She tried to live out her faith in front of her daughter. But because she worked a lot, her daughter became what we call these latchkey kids. You know, they just open the door and they're by themselves in the evening until mom comes in. And so she really began to get involved with the wrong crowd in her neighborhood. And because of that, she began to get involved in alcohol and drugs and peer pressure, all these things. And her mom wasn't going to let that happen. So her mom began to lay down rules and to hold her accountable. Well, she just said, I'm not doing that anymore. And so she ran away. Went to a big city uh, that was close to where she grew up in this small town. Well, she found out, just like the prodigal son, that the funds ran out. And the fun ran out, too, real quick. Well, she did the only thing she could do, sadly, what a lot of young women had done, and she became a prostitute as a young girl. Well, her mother, prior to this, was just brokenhearted. She was going everywhere looking for her daughter. Friends, family, places she had been, and she even made posters like a lot of people do for a lost pet. And she went to this big town, and it had the girl's picture, but there was a message underneath. It had the girl's name on it. It says, wherever you've gone, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. I forgive you. I love you. Please come home. And one day her daughter was coming out of a building and she looked up on the telephone pole and she saw her picture and she couldn't believe it. And then she read those words, wherever you've become, wherever you've gone, I forgive you. Please come home, Mom. And friend, that's God's personal message to everyone who's backslid out of his perfect fellowship. God loves you. He, 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 he doesn't approve of what you've become, but he'll forgive you. He'll clean you up and give you a new beginning. Please come home. And that was his message to Peter. I forgive you. I'm not through with your life. I still want to do great and mighty things through you. It was a personal message. But third, I want you to notice, friend, not only is it, is it personal, but it's also productive. When one turns to the Lord, they're able to experience a productive work as we start over. A word got back to Peter. And the Bible says in John chapter 20, I encourage you to read it later uh, just to refresh yourself. It's really comical that, that John and Peter began to have a foot race. To who's going to get to the tomb first? And John just wants to let you know that he's the one that won the foot race. He got there, he got there first. But John stood outside, but not Peter, but he, he went straight into the tomb and began to look around. He wanted to see for himself. 
He came, he came to see. And so now Peter's going to embrace this fresh start in the Lord. The Lord's going to come and reveal himself now to the disciples and begin to teach them. For 40 days, he's going to instruct them and to teach them and to get them prepared for Acts 1 8 and Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the mission that he's left the church to be about. And so then we see as a result of that, this opportunity, this seized opportunity to start over. Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching at Pentecost. The man that, that turned away from the Lord at the finger pointing of a little girl, now he's standing up in Jerusalem and he's declaring, this is the day that Joel talked about. This, this is the day the Holy Spirit's about to come. It's Pentecost. Jesus died. He rose from the grave. Turn and receive him and you'll be born again. He, he experienced this opportunity to start over. Acts chapter 4, Peter's preaching before the Sanhedrin. This is the religious supreme court of the world. They're telling him, hey, look, we don't care what you do, but stop talking about Jesus. We're telling you, shut up. We don't want to hear about Jesus. We don't want to hear about the resurrection. You can talk about him being dead all you want to. We like that part. But quit talking about the resurrection. We don't want to hear it. We command you to do it. Peter says, look, you decide what's right or wrong, but we can, we're going to talk about Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby men must be saved than Jesus Christ. And so boldly he begins to stand. He's experienced this opportunity to start over. But isn't it interesting, as we've been doing our study through the book of Acts, we get to Acts chapter 15, we see the Jerusalem Council. We preached through that several weeks ago. And remember, Paul amplifies something that happened prior to that in Galatians chapter 2. Remember the Judaizers came onto the scene? And the Judaizers began to say, oh yeah, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and, and, and it's only through him that you can be saved, but also, you've got to become a Jew. You, you, you Gentile men, you've got to take the outward symbol of being a Jew, you've got to go make an appointment with your doctor, and you've got to keep the law, and you've got to keep the feast, and you've got to do all these things, or you really can't be saved. And Peter started yielding to that a little bit, because of peer pressure. He started separating himself away from the Gentile believers a little bit. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, Look, I went and withstood him to his face. And I told him, Peter, you're wrong. What you're teaching is wrong. Your example's wrong. Well, Peter didn't puff up. So, Paul, you're not going to talk to me that way. I mean, I was, I'm one of the original 12. You're not. He had a teachable spirit. Peter realized that he had fainted spiritually. He had backslid. In Acts chapter 15, we see him again starting over. A bold proclamation of what God wanted to do, and that's that even the Gentiles, God wanted to be saved. It was for all people. So even after this beginning we see here, he failed and he had the opportunity to start over. And friend, I'm, I want to tell you again this morning, no matter how far you've fallen, God's message for you is this. Failure is not final. You can always start over. It's, it's productive. When you start over spiritually, it's going to be productive in your life. You're not going to be the person you were anymore. But fourth, I want you to notice, and don't miss this part. This is when most, the last point is usually when people start checking out. Purses start getting moved. Bibles start getting closed. You need to hear this part. Starting over, not only, friend, listen, is it possible, personal and productive, but I want you to know this, that it's predicated. It's predicated by repentance. It's predicated by repentance. You know, it's possible, it's personal, it's productive, but it's not automatic. 
Starting over is not something, there's just an automatic reset. You know, sometimes a computer or phone, it'll have a little malfunction. It'll just, it'll just like, I'll see my computer just be starting over. I'm like, what is happening? It's, it's what they call rebooting itself. But that doesn't happen spiritually. You don't just experience, you know, an automatic starting over. What predicates that is a decision to repent. Only the Holy Spirit can convict. I can't shame you into repentance when you've done wrong. I can't shame anybody into choosing to be saved. Only the Holy Spirit of God can draw, call, and convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. You have to to make a choice that you're going to turn from that and have a new beginning. We saw that in the life of Judas. He was in the garden. Remember, he was the one that sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And he even was brokenhearted about it. Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5. He was remorseful. He was brokenhearted about what he had done to Jesus and tried to return the silver. They didn't want it. He went and hung himself. You see, he was remorseful, but he wasn't repentant. He wasn't broken to the point of turning. The rich young ruler, Mark chapter 10, verse 22, he went to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? He wanted to know how to have eternal life of Christ. And Jesus told him, he looked to the real idol that he had in his life. He says, go give all your riches away. And so he wanted to be saved. He was brokenhearted. He even went away brokenhearted. But he didn't go away saved. He didn't experience a new beginning because there was no repentance. Pilate, Matthew chapter 27, verses 22 and 24, he stood and asked, what what shall I do with this Jesus? What am I to do? What, 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 What am I to do with him? He knew there was no fault in him. He knew what was happening was wrong. He even tried to wash his hands of the whole thing. Symbolic, say, I, 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 wash, I wash my hands. But he couldn't wash his hands, friend, of his sin. You see, he was moved and he was emotional. He knew what was happening was wrong, but he wasn't repentant. I want you to listen to me. If you need a fresh start, you'll not find it apart from repentance. You won't be saved apart from repentance. And you can't experience a new beginning from being backslid. You can't experience God's reviving touch by just emotionally saying, yeah, I know I need that. I've heard that so much. Now, preacher, I know what you're telling me is true. I know. Preacher, I know. Well, no one's not enough. You have to do. You have to do. There's a lot of you that know you need to lose weight and start exercising or you're going to die of a heart attack. But no one's not enough. You've got to start eating healthier and exercising. Now, if I'd have said, you know, homosexuality is killing our country, you'd have hooted and hollered and said amen. One of the greatest sins in the church, friend, is we don't take care of our bodies. It's one of the greatest sins in the church. Everybody's quiet on that. But I encourage you as this new year begins, I'm not trying to get off my text, take care of the temple of the Lord, and that's your body. You, you're not, you need to get a physical. Stop being so hard-headed and backwoods ignorant about going to the doctor and having a physical. Take care of your body. The Lord gave you a body that His Holy Spirit might indwell, that He could work through you as you live on mission. I'm telling you this because I love you. You need to take care. The Bible commands us to do that. So no one's not enough. You have to do it. And so knowing that you need a fresh start, it's, it's not automatic. You have to choose to repent. And there's not always an opportunity to start over in life. There's a lot of people sitting on death row. There's no opportunity to start over for them. 
They're where they're at. They're not coming out. But they can experience a spiritual new beginning. And so can we. And it's only through, it's only through the resurrection of Christ that we can do that. And Peter, because Jesus lives, there's a fresh start available to all people. Romans 10 and verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord for a fresh start can experience one. And so if you're here today and you've never been saved, you can experience a new beginning in Jesus Christ if you'll choose to turn from your sin and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. If you know you're not where you need to be spiritually today, there's still compartmentalized sin in your life. There's still compartmentalized sin. Well, I'm I'm 90% serving Jesus, but I've got just a few things I'm not going to let go of. If Jesus is not Lord 100% of your life, then he's Lord of none of your life. If you know you need that new beginning this morning, then repent. Give him your whole life today and experience what only he can bring in your life possible, it's personal, it's productive, but it's predicated upon your decision to turn from whatever state you're in and experience his fresh start. Peter did. Now, I want to tell you something, friend. I'm glad that I did it when I was a little boy, and I'm glad August 13, 1999, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I said, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. But from here on out, you're going to call the shots. And friend, I just want to say, I'm a satisfied customer. I thank God for the journey. And if you know you need to start over, won't you start over today? Let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes. If you died today, you're 100% certain you go to heaven. Has there ever truly been a moment in your life that you've repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? There hasn't. Do it now. He died for you. He rose from the grave. He's ascended to heaven. Friend, he's there in heaven now, and he wants to receive you. He wants to come live in your heart. He wants to welcome your decision today to start over, but it begins with you. Are you willing to turn from all the sin that's in your life? Will you not agree with God that you're a sinner? The Bible says that you are. Would you not confess it today and own it? Would you not choose now to to turn, to change direction? Just turn to Christ in saving faith today, believing He died for you, He rose again. And you want Him to come live in your heart and be Lord. Tell Him so right now in a simple prayer of faith where you sit. Pray just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe He rose again. And I want to embrace this fresh start that can only be found in Jesus. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life. Save me from my sin. Mold me into the person you want me to be. That's my prayer today. You've been saved, but I want to ask you, has there ever been a moment that you've loved the Lord or you've walked more closely with Him than you are now? Do you feel like Peter sometimes? That you've denied Him? Maybe you haven't denied Him with your mouth, but you've denied Him with your actions. You've denied Him with your life. Start over. Let this be the day. Start this new year positionally in a fresh, reconsecrated relationship with Jesus Christ. Experience His reviving touch on your life. Tell Him you want it right now. It's possible. It's personal. It's productive. But you've got to choose to turn and receive it.
Father, I pray you'll speak to our church. Father, I pray you'll speak to every individual heart. I pray, God, as we begin this new year, we can really do it saved and fully surrendered to your Lordship in every area of our life. Spirit of God, I pray you'll do what only you can do. That's to convict where needed. To call us, to draw us, to shine the light of Christ's holiness into our life. To show us where we need change. And God, I pray we'll be bold enough today to do like Peter did and humble enough to say, that's me. Forgive me. I want to start over. I yield my life to you again. That's our prayer. Let's reverently stand our feet.